Good morning, Delaware. It is great to be back in person in the studio with uh, no snow piled up to, to prevent us from being here. Good morning, Nicole. It's it is a beautiful morning when there is not a level three snow emergency. It sure helps, doesn't it? Yeah. That, last week was the only the third show in six and a half years that we have missed on the on the radio. So right. it was a. Uh, 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 Bad storm. I'm glad everybody stayed safe, yes. and it's good to be back. Uh, we have Gage Tellus working the board for us. Good morning, Gage. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Big thanks to our friends in the library for sponsoring the show, and we're really excited. The format's going to be a little different today. We had recorded an interview with Sarah and Nisha Adams for last week's show. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do that one. We'll do it in the second half of the show. But the first half of the show, we are so excited to have on the phone with us our Greg Gregory Christie, who is an author, an illustrator, a multiple award winner for his illustrations for children's books, and who is going to be our guest at the Delaware County District Library tonight and tomorrow. Good morning, Mr. Christie. Good morning, everyone. Ah, good morning. it's so good to have you here on the show. Thank you for joining us so early in the morning. And uh, I know you were doing a presentation for the Dayton Library yesterday. We're delighted to have you here tonight. And uh, so... Uh, Matt, you have done so much. I mean, uh, I don't know anybody who has won as many awards for your children's work as you have. Your your uh, your online shop, I just ordered a couple of the prints from your shop because mm-hmm. they're so gorgeous. Uh, and uh, we're just so excited to have you here today. Thank you, and thank you for the order. <laughs> you are more than welcome. So uh, we we um, tell us a little bit about what you've got planned for us for tonight and tomorrow, and uh uh, and uh, give us a, a little bit about how you got involved in all of this. Well, I just love uh, being a children's book illustrator and author. I'm mostly known as an illustrator because when I was very little, I used to draw all the time. And I was that quiet kid that really was, you know, the, my parents really didn't know. They didn't go to art school. So they, they just encouraged me by getting me art supplies. Oh. And it's it's a real passion. It was always a passion. It still is. So I like to actually teach uh, the public mm-hmm. and I like to pe- teach people who say I can't draw a straight line. I like to teach people who are inspired to do art. And tonight I plan to teach um, the community, uh, teens and also adults. Mm-hmm. And we'll do something like book binding and we'll also do a, a kind of step by step painting session. Yeah. That's really exciting. We've got some. We've got some really exciting things planned. Both of your workshops are um, totally full. So, um, oh, if, if people are listening now, then um, they can they can hop on the wait list. But it's full. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. All but, right. but one of the things that we're really excited about is tomorrow at the Orange Branch Library, you are going to be helping out a little bit with our Telling a People's Story exhibition. Um, if people don't know, this exhibition features um, the works of um, African-American um, children's books that have been created in the last 50 years. We've got 33 artists featured in it. Um, you have six books that are uh, featured in this particular exhibit, but you also might know some of the other uh, folks who are featured in this exhibit, so you're going to help us do a little gallery walk. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm honored to be in the company I'm in, and they're friends and colleagues, and I just would love to have the opportunity to show people Things you may not notice, little nuances in colors or composition, or maybe even some background in my own work, um, how the work came together, how I put it together, what was my thinking, and and also just answer questions if anyone has any. I'm, a, you know, I'm especially excited for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. I, I can't wait to. to it, there's nothing like sure. walking through an artist's exhibit when the art with with the artist. Oh yeah. So it, that, that's going to be great. Uh, in fact, we, we just uh, lost one of your colleagues, uh, gentleman. Uh, 
Mr. Uh, Ashley Brown. Ashley Brown passed mm-hmm. away this week, and uh, yeah. I, I know there's several pieces of his in the in the exhibit as well. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, really, and there's also Floyd Cooper and Jerry Pinkney, mm. you know, recently. But mm-hmm. but Ashley Bryan is um, for people who don't know, he was on the beaches of Normandy. He he's a uh, wow. he he has a life that was amazing, and when you met him, you 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 just could he was just a, a treasure, wow. and knowledge, and very unique person, and he was very giving and and. Um, as a young illustrator, when I started, he was there to encourage me, and and it meant it meant a lot, like the way he was uh, as a person and how he helped me navigate the illustration industry. That's that's really wonderful. We so in when you look at um, your kind of lifetime of of you know an illustrator and studying other people's works, you know how have you seen the evolution of African-American portrayal in children's literature and art, even, you know, from your childhood and up until what you're contributing to it today? I would say I just, it's, it's always been the same. I think there's a line going through everything of giving people a dignity, giving the African-American culture and community a, a sense of dignity, and also to tell the story in a way that, that is honest, but, but, you know, really, just says a beauty to it because sometimes history is really difficult to know mm-hmm. every culture's history every person that's come here has had different um challenges and african americans and african descended people they had a unique uh situation and it's like it's just amazing to be able to tell these stories to to have people look at african american history in a different way yeah. Because when I was growing up, I remember just really just being a footnote, a short paragraph, mm-hmm. and books like Bad News for Outlaws, mm-hmm. uh, which I did on, on Bass Reeves versus U.S. Marshall, Color United States, or Love to Langston on Langston Hughes, uh, The Champ, Story of Muhammad Ali. These are all stories that that just give a human element to people who, you know, you may not have known about. Right. I, I love how you mentioned, you know, showing beauty amidst struggle and turmoil. I think one of your most celebrated and your highest awardist, highest awarded books is the Freedom in Congo Square, which is yeah. um, during the time of slavery in New Orleans. Uh, slaves were allowed one day a week that they could go and they could dance in Congo Square. And it was allowed and, in fact, legal. And uh, that story, you know, could seem very dark, but it's it's told with beauty and it's and the illustrations are absolutely lovely. I, I have to agree about the uh, the biographies you've done because it's such a mix of really well-known people like Langston Hughes and, and Jackie Robinson and people like that, but also people like mm-hmm. Bessie Coleman that people may not have heard of that uh, are fascinating life stories but but probably haven't been told. Uh, and, and definitely your take on them has added beauty to the history. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I try to do stories that will make people say, oh, I never knew about that person or that's interesting. And I try to dig deeper. And what generally happens in the industry is that you get a uh, manuscript sent to you and you choose to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, I really choose stories that I feel I wish I had when I was a child. So any book that comes to me that, that I really find interesting or I, I know about the history or I'd, even if I don't, that's the book that I will choose to illustrate. Awesome. You've also done work, though, in illustrating uh 
magazine covers. You've yeah. done, and, but the one that we got both uh, Nicole and my my juices flowing was the the album covers. Yeah. You started working yeah. in like a, in a nightclub, doing illustrations in a nightclub, yeah. and that led into other things. How, how did that get started? <laughs> well, going back to my child, I was really shy as a child, and I grew up in a small town in New Jersey. And by the time I decided I wanted to go to art school, it was just being thrown into this new world. And I still was pretty shy. So what I started to do was, um, you know, being in my 20s, I would go out to nightclubs and things like that. And there was one place in particular that was very fancy, and it was called Nell's. It was on 14th Street. And I asked the manager if I could show slides. He said, that's a great idea. No one's ever done that here. And then showing slides turned into can you actually paint while people are here are here <laughs> wow. and and i and i was at another uh, club and then it turned out that there was also a, a record company throwing that that party it was named <laughs> giant step Records. so once you start to get in that circle in your 20s you end up meeting djs djs introduce you to musicians and one of my first jobs was that um i, I actually stopped some musicians leaving the stage going into the dressing room, just one of them, and luckily was the right one. And he said, wow, you should meet the manager. And then I went back into the backstage, and and then uh, the, the, the words that really stuck with me was the manager said, when we get signed, you get signed. Because oh. they, they said they love the idea of doing artwork for an album cover. Mm-hmm. And that was wow. for MCA Records. Wow. And that led to many commissions and other because you know industries are small so right. no one knew who this guy is you know, meaning myself like who's doing a cover for this group called justice system and that led to joe sample album covers and the biggest one was a john coltrane box yeah. set it, it was one that people were waiting for for decades to come out and it was um it was released in 97, but it was a 1961 village vanguard recording wow so i did portraits of, of coltrane and um, that's my biggest job, I believe. That's wow. awesome. So tonight you're going to be doing the, the what we've been calling just roughly a paint night at, mm-hmm. at our Orange Branch. Then tomorrow morning it'll be the walkthroughs at the gallery. Uh, and that starts from 1030 to noon. 1030 to noon. Mm-hmm. And then yes. the uh, in the afternoon we're doing the bookbinding workshop. So we are really looking forward to seeing you. Thank you again for calling in this morning. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for everything you've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't wait to meet you in person. Uh, so we'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow at the Orange Library. And uh, thanks again, uh, our Gregory Christie, uh, illustrator and uh, and all around mensch. <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> we'll we'll, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. You. And we are going to take a break here and we'll come back with our recorded interview with Sarah Nisha Adams, who is the author who is coming. Or, well, actually, we're going to be doing a Zoom meeting with her on uh, February it's, 22nd at 2 o'clock. It's a there are Tuesday. Still a tickets, yeah, 2 2 2 2 2 And we'll be right back after this break, so don't go away. Welcome back to the show. We are delighted to have as our guest today Sarah Nisha Adams. Sarah is a writer and an editor who lives in London, was born in Hertfordshire to Indian and English parents. Her debut novel, The Reading List, is partly inspired by her grandfather, who lived in Wembley and immediately found a connection with his granddaughter through books. Goodreads says this is an unforgettable and heartwarming debut about how a chance encounter with a list of library books helps forge an unlikely friendship between two very different people in a London suburb. And those two very different people are Mukesh, an 80-year-old widower who is still grieving his deceased wife, 
and Alicia, a teenager who is working at a rundown public library while caring for her dysfunctional mother. Stephanie Harrison in book page says, this is a story about two lonely individuals whose initial common ground is, ironically, that neither has any interest in reading. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. Well, you you can imagine that for a librarian like us, uh, like me, and um, and and book lovers everywhere, this is like a Valentine reading this book. Uh, it's just such a, a great um, celebration of reading and what reading can um, do for people. So tell us, tell us a little bit about what the inspiration for the book was and uh, why you wrote this. I think it's so lovely to hear that um, it kind of celebrates reading because that's exactly what I wanted it to do and especially to celebrate libraries I really wanted to write a book about the importance of books and um, the idea came from sort of my own relationship with my own grandfather my dada because I used to visit his house and couldn't really speak the language that they spoke there which was Gujarati and I would just hide behind a book all the time I'll tuck myself away in the corner and just read and he realized that if I was ever going to come out of my shell, he needs he needed to ask me about the books that I was reading. Um, so he would always take the book in his hand, read the title out loud, and then ask me about the book. And I'd talk to him for ages. And that was they're some of my most cherished memories with him because I would suddenly start talking about my life too. And I remember the same thing would happen with librarians when I went to um, when I went to. The library in the summer and did the reading challenge I would talk about books for ages and for a shy child who didn't really know how to talk to people it was such an important part of my life growing up and there was a point at which my local library closed down and we didn't have a library for a while and that was it just made me feel so sad for so many other young children like me who weren't able to kind of access as many books as possible it's such an invaluable gift so you uh, you were the inspiration for Priya then, uh, as well as your grandfather being the inspiration for Mukesh. Yes, I think so. I always think of myself as a mini Priya, but she's I think she's a little bit bolder and bolshier than I ever was. <laughs> she's a, a delightful character. I, I really enjoy reading about her. Uh, it, it's funny because um, it's uh, I, I really got interested in the eight titles that you selected that comprised the the reading list. So. Can you talk a little bit about how the books, how you decided on these books? It's a really diverse list and it's a, mostly books uh, from the 20th century, but not all. Um, and uh, the one that isn't from the 20th century gets some pretty interesting uh, reviews. So, uh, <laughs> so how did you choose the eight books? Yes, they're all books I have loved mainly when I, I think I read them all when I was a teenager at that mm -hmm. point in your life when books leave such a lasting impact on you and I was discovering books that I'd never read before books that were so different to anything I'd read before quite a lot of the books on the list are actually books recommended to me by one of my English teachers um, on his own reading list um, I, I had a couple of English teachers who'd always give me lists, lists of books that they thought I should read beyond the curriculum because they thought I was looking for something to interest me beyond the books that we were studying at school and they left a lasting mark on my life I think and I feel those books that I read most of most of them I read them in 
long summer holidays and I can just remember the experience of reading them of feeling kind of so excited to get back to them to leave my school lessons and get home or to like just wake up in the morning during the holidays and just sit and read all day um so I think because they hold such a special place in my heart I really wanted to see those books through these characters eyes pretty much wrote the list and then stuck to the list exactly as it was for the book kind of had to make sure that it worked because I didn't want to lose any of them <laughs> <laughs> well it, it seems to work really well I, I'm enjoying how it how you managed to weave the stories from the books into the lives of the people because I should say it's not just Alicia and Mukesh in the book there are other people who are influenced by the list and how this all comes together is what what makes the book work so well I think um, Alicia, I think, is an interesting character. She's kind of a, a disaffected secondary school student who's working reluctantly in this rundown, forgotten public library. She's waiting to go to university, she, and she's never dreaming about a book, a career in books or libraries. And I got to tell you, that sounds an awful lot like me in the 1970s, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, you really seem to get into Alicia's head. She has... Uh, I mentioned the dysfunctional family. Um, how how did Alicia come to be in, in your own mind? I think Alicia in lots of ways, other than her lack of interest in books, was a bit like me when I was mm -hmm. a teenager. I think I felt very much like I wasn't quite living the life all my friends were living. Um, and I think while our circumstances are quite different, there are lots of parts of our personality that are similar. And I think the fact that she keeps a lot close to her chest there are things that go on in her family that she doesn't want to talk about to the outside world and she keeps it all on her own shoulders and carries the burden herself mm -hmm. um I think that's something that I could really relate to and I just I just really wanted to find a way for her to find an escape mm -hmm. even during the job that she's doing that she thinks is really boring and I love the idea of her finding joy in her job and finding joy in a library and finding peace there too. Um, so yeah, I love her as a character. She very much is a kind of spikier teenage Sarah, I think. <laughs> she's um, she's so reluctant to commit to anything. And but once she commits to books, she seems to have a meaning in her life. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was a, just a, a really interesting approach to things. So, okay, we've introduced the two main characters. So uh, do you have a, a bit of the book that you could read to people so that people could get a feel for what this is about? Yes. So I'm reading a part um, from probably about halfway through the book where Alicia has just finished reading The Kite Runner and she's about to hand it over to Mr. P or Mukesh. Alicia plonked The Kite Runner on the desk in front of her. Her mind flew back to Hassan and Amir. It felt weird handing it over. She felt possessive, protective over it. But when she looked up at Mr P's face, now slightly less outraged, she could see the eagerness in his eyes. Look, she said to him, I've got to be straight with you. This is really, really hard to read. Like, not difficult, but it's deep. So, so deep, okay? Okay, he said. I've had deep in my life. I think I can do it. He smiled broadly. She could tell he was waiting for her to ask a question so he could impart some Atticus wisdom. Like what, Mr P? She indulged him. Well, his eyes looked up to the ceiling. I wasn't born here, you know. I left my home, Kenya, behind to come here to raise my children, to bring them opportunities. It was hard settling in, always being different. Well, 
she said. This book's about moving away from your home. The main character, Amir, he leaves Afghanistan, where he grows up, for America. Really? Mr P brushed his hand over the cover. I know you'll love it, but trust me, this literally makes Rebecca seem like child's play. Like That's an awesome book, really atmospheric, but this is like an emotional roller coaster that just keeps going and going and going. Okay, Miss, Miss Alicia, he said. I understand you very well. I will read and report back. With almost a skip in his step, he headed towards a seat in the library, and just before he sat down, she said, Don't cry, okay? Yes, boss, he called back. He sat down in his favourite chair next to a little alcove of bookshelves with a tall reading lamp. From here, I can see you, Alicia, all the other librarians, Lucy, Benny and the other young man, he told her once. Or that student dumping their books in front of them and pulling out a scraggy notebook. Or the young mums and dads reading to their children. I like this spot. It is becoming like a new routine when I read here. These strangers, they're my silent companions. Alicia had been pleased that Mr P was opening up, little by little. Not just to her, but also to the other people who worked here. A few days ago, Lucy had said, That old man you're becoming mates with, he's rather sweet, isn't he? She thought of the first time she was rude to Mr P and how Aidan, her brother, and Kyle had convinced her to right her wrong, just like Amir had done in The Kite Runner. It was true. It wasn't too late to be a good person. Never. Alicia now felt a strange sense of pride for the old man. She knew that Mr P was lonely, that he was starting to do things to help himself. He was doing so well. I love that. Lovely. I love that. It is amazing how these two people who are so different um, help each other through through the, uh, the, the the medium of books. And so that that, that plays out so much. It, it, and it's so funny because it's like because they don't know each other, the relationship he has with Alicia is so different from the relationship he has with his three daughters. Yes, absolutely. And I think because he's got a bit of distance with Alicia, he's able to open up to her a little bit more. His mm -hmm. three daughters check in on him and do all the things to kind of keep him alive, make sure his food um, is stocked up, make sure that his house is clean, make sure that he's kind of taking his pills, putting his bins out, but they're not really having conversations with him. Mm -hmm. I think the books allow Alicia and Mukesh a chance to relate to the characters, but also to relate to each other through those books in a way that they might not if they just met each other on the street or in another context. In the, uh, the you read in the uh, piece that you read, you referred to when they first meet. They they do not meet cute. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Alicia's pretty miserable, and and uh, Makesh is so out of place. I mean, he's such, such a fish out of water in the library. <laughs> so, I I would love to continue this conversation, and we are going to get to the opportunity to do exactly that on February twenty second. At two o'clock, the Friends of the Library is sponsoring the 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 T for two on two on twenty two. Um, mm -hmm. You can find all about that at DelawareLibraryFriends.org. And uh, Sarah, Nisha, Adams, we really have appreciated your time today, and we look forward to speaking to you in more depth about the reading list uh, very soon. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, George. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, and we will see you, uh, uh, like I said, on the 22nd. So, folks, uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate Gage, our engineer, as always. Nicole, always a pleasure working with you. Pleasure. And we will see you in the stacks. <laughs>